Blog Talk Radio. We're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com, slash pgang. Send messages to the show in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com, slash pgang. Also, you can send messages on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Great show lined up for you today. Going to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. We're going to get his take on Adrian Peterson and his tweets. He was a tweeting machine uh, the other day, tweeting about all things NFL contracts, I guess. But we're going to talk to Willie about that, get his thoughts on Ray McDonald, who was arrested twice in one week, and uh, ultimately the first arrest, during the week, led to his release by the Chicago Bears, and we'll get into that. Also, we're going to be joined by uh, Justin Dentman. Justin played overseas, also played in the D-League last season, uh, so we're going to be joined by him as also, as well, and also Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill will be joining us, getting his thoughts on the NBA Finals. And as we go throughout the course of these two hours, we're going to talk Ray McDonald. We're going to talk NBA Finals. We're going to talk uh, the aftermath of the NBA Finals. Uh, excuse me, NBA Conference Finals. Adrian Peterson. We've got a bunch of stuff to get to in a short time to get there, and we're going to get there. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. NBA Finals are set. And, you know, it wasn't much of a surprise, especially the way these series started off. I mean, uh Cleveland winning the first two games in Atlanta, and then Golden State winning the first three games, obviously, and Cleveland won the first three games as well. But it's not a surprise that those series ended. It's not a surprise who is in the NBA Finals. It's a prediction that many made before these playoffs started that the Warriors and the uh, Cavaliers would see each other in the NBA Finals, and that's not a surprise. It's not a surprise at all. Um, one thing that, uh, you know, could affect these finals, Clay Thompson, um, he had a concussion uh, the other night. He ran into the knee of uh, – he was kneed in the head by Trevor Reza in the fourth quarter um, in game five. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But he has some time to hopefully for him, uh, you know, get better and hopefully he can pass uh, the concussion testing so he can get back on the court. So he's out until he clears the to the, you know until he clears the NBA protocol, the concussion protocol that's in place. So I mean, if you're a Warriors fan, obviously you want him to pass those things. Obviously, whether you're a Warriors fan, Cavaliers fan, you probably want him to pass those things. Uh, well, I can't speak for all Cavaliers fans. Probably a lot who don't want him to pass because they don't want to see him in game one. And I guess on some level that is understandable. But anyway, Clay Thompson, obviously you, you want him to be there on the basketball court in order for you to to take that next step. And that next step 
is winning the NBA Finals. You look at this situation. Now the Warriors, they're here. They, you know, they took care of business in Game Five. Cavaliers took care of business in Game Four. Both of these teams dominated those particular series. It's more so the Cavaliers than the Golden State Warriors, but the Cavaliers played well. You can argue, well, the Hawks were a sixty-win team, but. I think if the Rockets and the Hawks were to play in a seven-game series, I think many would favor the Houston Rockets. But the Hawks had a great season. No, no matter how you look at it, no matter what happened in these playoffs and in this series, the Hawks had a great season. 60 wins. Who expected the Atlanta Hawks to win 60 ball games? No one. A berth in that conference finals? Who expected that? No one. Well, I guess after you got to the – got those 60 wins, many expected them to get to the conference finals. But coming into this season, and even the Warriors for that matter, I don't think many expected the Warriors to win 67 games. So both of these teams, the Hawks, no one expected that. The Warriors, obviously, no one expected that as well. But obviously these finals are, or if you're the NBA, this is what you wanted. These, this is the matchup that you wanted. Obviously the most popular player in the game is LeBron James and the MVP is Steph Curry. So two very popular players in the league, two players that a lot of people know about, a lot of people are talking about, and a lot of people have celebrated throughout the course of this season. And, and so it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And I, and I can't wait. And I, and I look at this series coming into this series, I, I look at it from top to bottom. I think you have to say the Warriors are the deeper basketball team, especially now with Kevin Love out, especially now with Kyrie Irving and him being banged up. Obviously, Getting this time off, getting these 10 days is going to be very beneficial for Kyrie Irving. I don't think he should have played the other night. I really don't. I think that was a mistake, but I get it. I don't think he should have played, though. I really don't. I, don't, I think he's the, the, the first time he should have played was Thursday. this Thursday coming up. That's the first time he should play, June 4th. That's the first time he should have played in a while. But obviously, he felt better, I guess, and you know they felt like he could be out there and he went out there and played well. 16 points in that game, and Cleveland closed it out. They closed it out big time. But, you know, if Kyrie Irving's not 100%, because first and foremost, I mean, he's got to, you know, help out the scoring load for LeBron, but also he's got to defend Steph Curry and or Klay Thompson, one of the two. He's got to defend one of those two guys. And if he's not at full strength, he's going to have a hard time staying in front of Steph Curry. And if he can't stay in front of Steph Curry, will we see Matthew Dellavedova getting a lot of minutes or – Will we see LeBron James get the Steph Curry assignment? And, you know, at some point in time and throughout the course of this series, LeBron James is going to be on Steph Curry. LeBron James is going to stick Steph and guard Steph Curry. You know, we saw it last, uh, last round where LeBron James had some minutes on Jeff Teague. So we're going to see it. And I think, you know, obviously this is a series where coming into it, you have to favor the Warriors, quite frankly. You, you really do. I think you do from top to bottom. This is a better basketball team. So coming into this thing, coming into the NBA Finals, the Warriors have to be the favorite. I think they have to be the favorite. Now, I like the way Cleveland's playing. Cleveland's playing some big-time basketball right now. I love the way Cleveland's playing. But they have not played a team like the Warriors in these playoffs. Maybe you can argue that the Warriors haven't played a team like the Cavaliers. So... You look at it, and obviously these are teams who, you know, they haven't seen each other. They haven't seen each other in a while, but these are teams 
that are playing good basketball at the right time. You know, more so the Cavaliers and the Warriors. You could you could argue that the Warriors had some struggles in these playoffs. You could argue that. But LeBron James has been superhuman. He was superhuman last round against the uh, Hawks. Superhuman. I think he has to be that and maybe even a little more if Cleveland wants to win this NBA win an NBA title. If he wants to win another NBA title, he has to be all that and maybe even a bag of chips, really. You know, he has to be that guy. He does. And if he's not, if he's not, I don't see how they can win it. But, again, I like the way both teams are playing right now, coming into these finals. I like the way both of these teams are playing. I like how Cleveland stepped up their defensive game in these playoffs. I like how Cleveland, you know, minus a Kyrie Irving, had other guys step up. J.R. Smith, Amon Shumpert, Tristan Thompson, Tristan Thompson, who had a, you know, who's making the, the cash register is still going and going and going when it comes to Tristan Thompson. I mean, and the, and the series that he had and the playoffs that he had thus far, he's a monster and an animal on the offensive on the glass. He's an animal on the glass, and he's been eating glass throughout the course of these playoffs, eating glass left and right. I mean, he's he's a he's a glass eater. He's getting those rebounds. And, you know, especially, you know, I was, you know, against the Bulls especially, I was impressed because you had that long front line of, of, of Noah and, and, and Gasol. And I know Gasol missed some time, but you had that long front line. And I look at it, man, and, you know, I just, I, I've been impressed with that guy. He's, he's, he's got a lot of money coming his way. And, and he's, the register is going and going and going. I wish I was his agent right now, Rich Paul and those boys, because uh, you know they're 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 in line to make this. Well, he's in line to make some money, and of course they're going to get there as well, of course. But I look at these two teams defensively, and in terms of points per game, these two teams are right up there. Cavaliers the best right now at ninety-two point six, tied with the Bulls. Golden State is four. So, you know, obviously these teams defend the basketball, and Cleveland has defended the basketball better than anybody in these playoffs. And and they have been, you know, they stepped up their defensive game. They stepped it up. And, um, you know, give them a lot of credit for that. And, again, you know, it's a lot easier to step it up against the Celtics, the Bulls, and the Atlanta Hawks. Totally different animal now when you're doing it against the likes of uh, Golden State, Steph Curry, and those boys. Totally different animal. And so we'll see. If, if, if Cleveland can continue to defend the way they defended throughout the course of these playoffs against the Golden State Warriors, we'll see if they can do that. And I can't, you know, it's it's – it's one of those things, man, like on, on paper, to me, you have to say the advantage is Golden State. 
I, you, you just have to. And, and I look at, um, you know, it was an interesting stat. I was looking around, looking at some various stats. I was preparing for the show, and, and I saw an interesting stat um, about three-point shooting and the Atlanta Hawks three-point shooting in game number four. In that game, the Hawks attempted 32 three-point shots. 30 of them were uncontested. So you're talking about 30 uncontested three-point shots. 30. It's a lot. Obviously, we know what Steph Curry can do behind a three-point arc. We know what he can do. So you know what Clay Thompson can do. You know what those guys can do. Those guys can shoot. They're the Splash Brothers, and they're called the Splash Brothers for a reason. Those guys can flat out fill it up, shoot the basketball. They get it done. So just looking at that stat from game number four, and again, I know Cleveland has defended up throughout the course of these playoffs. I know. But you look at that number, and that number speaks to me. That number says that Cleveland has to do a much better job of contesting three-point shots. You can't give uncontested three-point shots to Golden State and Steph Curry. Most three-pointers in the history of a playoff. And he did that in less games than Reggie Miller. He surpassed Reggie Miller. He did it in less games. Less games. And also, to, you know, to, to, to go back to how, how tenuous, you know, it can be in terms of, you, you know, going from being a contender to a non-contender, how about that fall by Steph Curry? I mean, that fall was vicious. That was a vicious fall. And if you saw that fall and you watched that fall, you watched it in slow motion, if he didn't, I know he was trying to brace himself with that arm. Now, if he falls a little differently, there's a possibility he snaps that wrist or, or does something with his shoulder or does something with his arm. And he's done, gone for the playoffs, and then that changes everything. Everything. May have changed that series. You know, maybe Houston could have extended it to maybe six or seven games. Who knows? Maybe they could even won it. And even if Golden State would have uh, advanced, it would have affected the next round. There's no way they beat the Cavaliers with Steph Curry on the shelf. No way. No way. So, I, I obviously, that was a horrific fall. And ultimately, he came back in that game. Didn't think he was going to come back in that game. I mean, I thought he at least would be concussed. I thought at least he would have a concussion. But he was fine. I know his whole right side was all bruised up. But this guy, man, it, it just shows you how tenuous it can be. And, you know, it, it, it just takes you back to, to uh, OKC. Like, you know, Westbrook goes out, well, a couple years ago, uh, Westbrook goes out with the meniscus and a team that was expected 
to go to the NBA Finals possibly, you know, they lose in the second round two years ago. They lose in the second round to the Grizzlies, you know. So anything can change. To, uh, Eric Rose a few years back way towards ACL. That changed the course, uh, you know, of the Bulls. And it changed the course of Chicago for a long – I mean, you know, past, it affected them for two years. So, obviously, injuries are a part of the game, but it was close. The Warriors, Steph Curry, they dodged a bullet the other night when Steph Curry uh, was able to get up from that fall. That would have been, oh, that would have that would have been it. That would have been the end of their run. Obviously, I think they still would have got to the NBA Finals because they were up three zero. But that would have been the end of everything in terms of winning and beating the Cavaliers. They dodged a bullet big time. We're going to bring in a guy now, done big things throughout the course of his NFL career. Let's bring him in now, Hall of Famer, Willie Rove. Willie! Paul, how are you doing? How are you? Great, man. I'm up here in, uh, up here in L.A. They brought me up uh, to the house. We're doing the uh, rookie premiere. Uh, I saw James Weston your last night. saw all the top rookies, top 20 rookies. T.J. Yeldon, the receiver from Michigan. Uh, all the running backs, everybody's up here. Uh, with the car shows and everything, and, um, you know, we're giving them some words of wisdom. We're going to borrow with them tonight. So, uh, we've got, we got the NFL PA putting a good deal together, trying to get the guys out and get them, get them, get them some exposure and let them meet some of the, some of the older, older guys. Now, have you gotten a chance to, to to talk to anybody, give any words of wisdom yet to any of the rookies? Well, I talked to James, you know, I just told James, you know, to make sure he stays focused and, uh, you know, you know, told him he had a you know, world of talent and, and, you know, he knows how to read defenses and, uh, you know, just to make sure he takes care of his business and he understands now, you know, after going through some situations that, you know, what can happen to you and uh, hopefully he learned early and uh, won't make those mistakes again. I'd rather make them now than make them later. And uh, you got to work some McGee. Uh, Rob Smith for the, for the block calls. I saw him. Uh, Lorenzo Neal, who I played with in New Orleans. So you got you got some real good football players that are here that uh, can give you the guys some words of wisdom. Now, Willie, you know, we, we saw this week Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, obviously he didn't uh, attend OTAs with the Minnesota Vikings. He sent out a bunch of different tweets related to NFL contracts, how they're unfair, so on and so forth. But at this point in time, I look at this situation, and it's like AP almost feels like he's the victim in some respect. And I know he says the reason he's not there because he wants more, you know, he wants to do something with his contract. But at the end of the day, AP, you know, last season was all about what he did wrong. It's not necessarily what the Vikings did wrong. It's what he did wrong with the whole situation with his child. He has no leverage, really. And if the Vikings want to play hardball, they can. And obviously they said they want Adrian Peterson to play. And Adrian Peterson, if he's going to play, he's going to play for the Minnesota Vikings, according to the Minnesota Vikings. What are your thoughts on this whole situation with Adrian Peterson? And Willie dropped. <laughs> so hopefully we can get it back on. We lost him. Uh, he's got him back. Yeah, yeah. Willie. Go, go ahead, Paul. Sorry about that. Now, go ahead with, with your question. Adrian Peterson. You know, we, we saw this week he had a bunch of different tweets uh, about the uh, whole situation of the Vikings related to his contract, also related to contracts in general, and the NFL, how he feels like they are unfair. At this point in time, he has no leverage. He didn't attend OTAs. Obviously, he doesn't want to be in Minnesota, but the Vikings are not going to trade him. He's basically stuck. Your thoughts on this whole Adrian Peterson situation? 
Well, for a while, for the way I took it, Paul, it sounded like he wants to do a contract extension and wants some more money. I mean, I don't understand right. how he thinks he's going to get a contract extension coming out of the situation that, he, that he's in. And, Paul, what's he still going to make this year, like $12 million? $12.75 million. Well, how did they think? I mean, I mean, does he understand running backs aren't getting paid that much? I understand that he took the year off his fresh. I think he's going to have a great year. I think Andrew Peters got two or three good years left in him. But, I mean, the way his contract is structured, probably you look at the years, I don't think he has but a couple years left, and they're pretty, pretty high numbers that nobody else is going to be making base salary. So his base salary for this year is uh, $12.75 million, and then in 2016, $14.75 million. So he's got and a lot of money coming to And that's the last two years of the deal, right? Yep. Well, I mean, he's going to make uh, $26, $27 in two years. I don't think he should be complaining because if they're wrapped it up, and get, if he wraps it up and gets $20 million guaranteed and then give him $7 million over and break the salaries down, then they're going to extend him for more than two two years. Whereas uh, I think he's got three or four good years left in him. So in two years, they're going to tag him and they're going to let him go. In reality, I mean, you look at the situation, you want to talk about NFL contracts, obviously they are unfair to the players, but at the end of the day it's a larger issue, and if he has a big gripe with it, and I know he's had some tweets well, about he didn't play. Yeah, right. I mean, he was yeah, on the um, exempt He was on the exempt so list. I think, I, think he, I think he's doing just fine. <laughs> he is. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, obviously, if you have a gripe about uh, you know non-guaranteed contracts, and I think it's a legitimate gripe. I mean, the NFL is a very dangerous game. Football is a very dangerous game, and these guys should get uh, uh, guaranteed contracts. The NFL is making big-time money. I mean, at, at some point, I mean, baseball has it, NBA has it. The union has to fight for it. And, I mean, it's been this long. Contracts. They'll get, get I mean, He's lucky to be seeing the back end of this deal. After he tore his knee up and had the great year he had, I mean, for him to be seeing the back end of this deal, he's got two years left. He's going to get that money. So if he don't want to be in Minnesota, start to play the last two years of his deal, and then they're probably going to let him go because they're not going to want to pay him, you know, over $2 million or whatever after that. But if you make it $27 million in the next two years, I don't really think you used to be complaining about that. No, nah, I mean, next year, he still made 12, and if he stays healthy, he's going to get a little deal somewhere. So I don't see what the problem is if he's made 12 and last year didn't play. For sure. I mean, in reality, like you say, he has no legs. Hey, how, how old is he, bro? 31. He's 31. 30, 30, I'm sorry, 30. He's 30, 30 years old. I'm going to make a 12 million plus. I don't think there's anybody. It's a lot, isn't it? I mean, you figure you get you get to a certain age, and at some point, you know, your production slips, and 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 obviously you're not going to get paid that kind of money. And the running back position has been devalued in the football, in the National Football League. And Paul, let's be realistic. When you get over 30, 32, 33, you're year to year anyway. Pretty much when right. you get in your 30s, 31, 32, when you start signing deals, maybe he signs a one or two year deal or three year deal with with Dallas. But really, they're going to guarantee oh, the first year the deal is going to be guaranteed. You're pretty much when you get over thirty plus in any, in any position, you know maybe quarterbacks or a punter or something. But linemen and stuff that are make when you're making ten plus million, you're going to be on year to year deals. They're not going to lock you up for a long term. They lock you up for the long term on the second deal, 
And on that third right. game, it's pretty much a year to year basis. For sure. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with this. It's, it's a standoff on some level, but at the end of the day, you know, it's very difficult from Adrian Peterson's perspective because the, the, the Vikings have all the leverage. They have all the leverage. And so they're, they're in prime position, and they can decide what they want to do with Adrian Peterson. Ray McDonald, I mean, this is a guy, you know, who, who got another shot with the Chicago Bears uh, after a situation in San Francisco, you know, after charges were dropped last year, uh, his situation. And, and now he comes back and he gets arrested again uh, for, for, for assault, uh, domestic violence. And then, and then, you know, he gets arrested again. So he gets arrested twice in this week for uh, breaking a restraining order. I mean, your thoughts on this whole situation with Ray McDonald? So, so, uh, hold on, hold on. So he got arrested for. Uh, well, I heard the situation where he um, she was holding the baby. What was it like? Three, first of all, it was three, four in the morning, whatever time it was. What were they doing? What was he doing over there at three in the morning? And I heard he went to Justin Smith's house to do the So, so what happened after that? So then he 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 he. he, he uh, did, what did he do with the restraining order? He, so he got within. He went back and saw the woman again. Was she had a restraining he, order? Or what, he, what happened? He, viola- he violated a restraining order uh, out on him, and, and so you know, in doing that, how, how did he, he do gets that? How did he do that again? How did he do that? <laughs> so he went back and saw the woman again. I believe this is another woman. Oh, this is another woman. I believe it's another woman. Did he have, did he have a restraining order against him? Yeah, so you have to do another well, one. You know, I was here as a kid, an idiot. And uh, I mean, I'm sorry to say that, but, you know, when you – he got paid last year for another one that got paid. He signed a million-dollar deal. He's 30, 30 years old. All the kids, the kids – first of all, the kids shouldn't even be where these women are. If you have a problem with women, with these women in particular, that you have an issue with, they're, they're in – what, in California at this time, Paul? Yes. Why are they in Chicago working out anyway? Why the hell are they in Why are they in the Bay Area when he's supposed to be in Chicago and all the program? He should be as far away from these women as he can. He shouldn't even be in their vicinity. He should be in Chicago working out. They should have gotten a First of all, they should have got a counselor for him. They should have made him, made him show up at a certain time period. He should have been in Chicago doing his off season program, and he shouldn't be going to these women. And he shouldn't be shouldn't be talking to no women until he gets his life together and get that part together. So right now he shouldn't be talking to any women. Period. So my point is, I don't understand if they're going to give him that million dollar deal, they should have had him in Chicago. But Paul, it's not he's going. And then if he has a good year, Paul, you know how it goes. He signed a four year deal, four year deal for maybe three years. That's what he was making in 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 uh, in, um, in um in San Francisco. So this kid that threw away between ten and fifteen million dollars, you know, with the one million and then he could have signed a twenty four year deal because he's probably got three, four, five good years left in him and he just threw it threw it away. So I mean and, I, and I don't understand I don't understand Paul why he didn't take himself out of that situation and why his family and his people could have told him to get out of town. He shouldn't even be up there right now. He should be with uh, doing an off season program with the Bears. That's a great question. And, and correction, it is the same woman. So I was I, I stand corrected on that. It was the same woman that it's he actually was. Supposedly, 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 supposed
put it in the car. What did he do? He, walked, he, he hit her or something and ran off with her with the baby? Why did he hit the woman? She was holding the baby. They said he hit the woman. Why? I mean, why? Why would it make no sense? Why would you just go over there? He's a man with some serious, serious problems, and quite frankly, it's probably in his best. It's probably in his best. Uh, it's best for him that he, you know, stays out and get himself right mentally before he even uh, sees another football field again. He's got to get himself right mentally because okay, it's, it's Paul, why, why, why wouldn't he be in Chicago? Why is he up there? He can see that kid when that kid gets bigger. He obviously him and that woman have some. Uh, it's, it's not a good situation between them, so he doesn't need to be nowhere near. If he can't, if he can't, if he knows he's going to cross the line, and he can't sit there and have a conversation with this woman and, and handle himself accordingly, then he doesn't need to be nowhere near. Period. For sure. I mean, it, it's just unacceptable. It's inexcusable. And, and hopefully, you know, he can get himself right moving forward. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rove. Willie, I got to get you your, your take on this upcoming NBA Finals. The Warriors, the Cavaliers, I know you're a big LeBron guy. I look at it from top to bottom. I think you have to say that the Warriors are the better basketball team. From top to bottom, you look at how deep they are in terms of, in comparison to the Cavaliers. I think they're a deeper team. I want to say they're a better team, but there's a side of me that wants that that believes possibly the Cavs can win. Your thoughts. Go ahead. Okay, what about experience, Paul? I can't believe they have them a seven to three. What are the what are the odds right now, Paul, that they win? I think it's like it's two to one that they're going to beat the Cavs. The Cavs have the, the, the LeBron James, who's one who's been in the finals, been in the conference finals, the finals five years in a row. They have, the, the, as far as guys on the roster that have played in more games, you got to get after the Cavs with Shepard and with Jr. and the guys they have. So. I mean, uh, you know, you got equal dollars a few of those guys. But other than that, you got a bunch of young boys on the team. The last team that didn't have anybody that appeared in the, in the finals and made it to the finals was the Bulls in 1991. So, I mean, I, you have to give experience to the Cavs. And you have to give the fact that they can go outside and, and they have the big bodies they can push you up. I mean, I mean, what's going to shoot a lot of jump shots? Go to state. And uh, I heard your comment about uh, Steph Curry. You know, Curry Thompson should have got back in that game on his heels, and he had a concussion when he got home. I don't understand how that kid got back in the game when he, when he, when he got kneed in the, in the head and his heels bleeding. I mean, they should have put that kid back in there. I think it's going to be a long series, Paul. Uh, if Kyrie Irving, which everybody says, it gets better and, he, and he's productive, can be productive in the series, and I think it's pretty much an even better matchup. If J.R. Smith keeps playing the way he's playing, something that can throw different guys at him and uh, at Clay Thompson, uh, I think it's going to be a tough series. Uh, I don't understand people looking at uh, and just counting Cleveland out because they don't have Kevin Love. But if you look at some of the statistics, they play better when they have Tristan Thompson in the lineup uh, than they do Kevin Love. And, and But you look at it, I mean, Obviously, I mean, I, I look at I look at a, a, a Golden State, and I, and I see a team that you know, especially with Kyrie Irving not being a hundred percent. This is a team that goes on explosions. I mean, they just have scoring explosions, and they've had it throughout the regular season. They've had it even in these playoffs, and and I'm just not sure if Cleveland can withstand that. I mean, it's one thing to beat the Hawks, the Bulls, and the Celtics, 
with LeBron James, you know, carrying the scoring load. I think it's going to be a whole nother thing to beat the Golden State Warriors with LeBron. I mean, LeBron, to me, has to be as good as he was last round, if not better, for Cleveland to win this series. No, no, that's a, if, if, Paul, if Kyrie can give him good minutes, can give him 30 minutes, can give him some good quality minutes and play like the whole Kyrie Irving, then I'm not going to, I'm going to say that, 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 that it's going to be a little tougher than you think. Because if, we, if you watch stuff, stuff that Craig Thompson, they've had spells where they went cold in some games. And you'll see them go cold in some games. So, I mean, are you giving the outside in game more? More credits, or you give an inside out game because the bonds gonna go to the hole. He's gonna post up to him, so you gonna give credits to the team going inside out or outside in because they're gonna have a game where them jump shots are gonna be going down. Now the Warriors play the way that Warriors play. I mean, obviously, you know they're a jump shooting team, and you know sometimes jump shooting teams have off nights, and sometimes jump shooting teams are are are, are straight on. But this Warriors team, I mean, you know they're a team that defends as well. I mean, they're a very good defensive team, too. Okay, how good has J.R. Smith been playing? You're telling me that the Cavs don't have anybody to shoot jumpers, too? J.R. Smith, uh, Smith's been getting it done. But the, the Kyrie Irving situation scares me because he still has to defend either Clay Thompson or Steph Curry. He has to defend one of them. And is is he healthy enough to stay in front of one of those any of one of the two guys? And he's, 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 he's got a recall. He's got a recall. So, you, I mean, I like the way both of these teams are playing. I, I, I like the way that the way I, I like the the mojo with both of these teams. I, I, I really, I, I like the way both of these teams are coming into the finals. And I have a good feeling about both of these teams. So, it's kind of difficult for me to to, to choose right now. But as I look at I just got – going with my heart, I would love to see LeBron get this third ring. But going with my mind, my mind is telling me Golden State, home field, home court advantage, 67-win team, the best team in basketball throughout, and the deeper basketball team. But it doesn't mean I don't think the Cavaliers are going to win. But, the, you know, that's you where know, my head is at right now. Team won, the, the Cavs team at the second half of the season won that team they had the first half of the season. So we don't know what that record could have been. I, I, I want to say this. They don't have Kevin Love. Kyrie Evans banged up. I would think, I think Kyrie is going to have seven, eight days rest. Um, if the Cavs can get one, if the Cavs can get one, if the, if the Cavs can get one in 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 Golden State out of these first two games, if they can get the, if they can get one, I'm taking the Cavs in six. Cavs in six. Cavs in six. Cavs in six. Experience. Wow. I just I just I think it's going to be hard for them to step through the ball down. The ball if the ball plays the way he's been playing, which you know uh, I don't think he will have the triple double numbers. I mean, I mean, the guy must have a triple double in the playoff series, Paul. That's unheard of. It is. I mean, I'm not. But you know, this is a whole other animal. I mean, it's one thing to do it against the Hawks. I know the Hawks were a 61 team, but this is a different team. The Golden State's a different team and a, and a better team than the Atlanta Hawks. I, mean, yeah, I agree with you, but, but remember what happened in Miami and the same thing with the Cavs. It's, it's something about the way the Cavs can adjust. LeBron teams can adjust, and I think they'll step that defensive pressure up some, up a notch, 
and and the X factor in this too is going to be Tristan Thompson. You know, this is going to be you know him him and uh, uh, Green. That's going to be a battle to watch too. So it, it, it's going to be a chess match, and you got two rookie head coaches. So you know, you got you got to so who's going to make the right calls? It's going to come down to coaching too. It's going to be a big part of the series. So you know. Uh, it's going, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be an incredible series. I thought it was going to be the Clippers. And the Clippers uh, fell apart against, uh, against uh, Houston. But, uh, you, know, you know I'm not going to go against the ball. So you already know that I'm taking the gas. Well, is it, is it possible that this possibly could be similar to what we saw last year where the Spurs were the better team from top to bottom and ultimately overwhelmed <laughs> and dominated the Miami Heat? <laughs> So you think they're gonna run them off the court? This could be, this could be the the series where he played against uh, Oklahoma City and the another jump shooting team. This team is better. That's true. Another jump shooting team, and what what did he do? What did he do to them? They they beat them. They beat them. But and and, and it's, there are some similarities also to the point that you know that was the the first time OKC was on that stage, that big stage. Thank you. And and. And LeBron and D Wade had been there before, but <laughs> I mean, and there's a lot of similarities because Golden, um, OKC did have home court advantage in that series. Uh, Warriors mm-hmm. have home court advantage. Uh, you know, obviously Durant, first time on that stage. Curry, first time on exactly. this stage. We'll the, the, I mean, the it, MVP versus the other MVP. LeBron got to the proof. And LeBron in Cleveland. You know, you know what, you know what, Paul. The Golden State's waited a long time since '74, '75. Cleveland's waited. They haven't won anything since 1964 when Mr. Cleveland Browns won the championship. For both cities, it's going to be a great story. If LeBron does not win one this year, I will not be disappointed because I'm sure that he'll be back again. But you know, so it, it, it's a win-win in either case. Steph Curry and those guys will be back again. But it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be a very interesting series to see. I just think in the end, experience. And if they, if Tyree can give us some quality minutes, that I think that they can they can I think they'll be able to do. I think they'll be able to pull it out. But it's gonna be real tough. But let me give you another. Game, let, me, let, me, and let me and that's gonna be let me give you another. Let me give you another similarity from last year. The you know D Way was banged up and you know he was hobbled. Uh, coming into that series last year, Kyrie Irving is no, no, nobody, nobody, nobody helped LeBron in that series. LeBron is doing everything, and then they turn the heat up. They turn the air conditioning off on the man, and the man cramped up, and it was all nobody helped LeBron. That, LeBron was a one man show in that series. You can't compare the series, and he didn't have the players around him like he has the supporting cast. Do he has the world playing as well? Because these guys are playing, Paul, so let's not compare those series because the guys he had playing with him were playing that good. Oh, so you're 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 banking on J.R. Smith to do it one more again, the the, the erratic J.R. Smith who can go over ten or sometimes go yeah, 10 to ten. What's that? And he going over ten in these fouls in any games. He has not, but he has the capability to do it. Forty percent, like you know, this, Paul. This is a different team. They got Moskov, they got Shepard, who can play in the outstanding defensive player, who can spot up and shoot the three. They got Tristan Thompson. Uh, 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 they got Kyrie. Uh, they got Damon Daniel coming off the bench. 
I mean, they, this team, this team is scrappy now. But the little bit of the night, what was the one that was going to do the do the damn holes? Look at it, look at that when he took the damn holes in the playoffs. Who's that? Delvin Dover is definitely giving the Cavaliers some good minutes. I want to ask you a quick question on Delvin Dover. I mean, obviously you played in the NFL for many years, and Al Horford talked about the brotherhood. And, you know, and I'm referencing Delvin Dover and his dirty play, alleged dirty play, you know, the whole situation with Kyle Korver, Al Horford, and things of that nature. You know, when you talk about the brotherhood, like, talk about that brotherhood. Like, Horford was talking about the NBA brotherhood, but talk about the NFL brotherhood in terms of dirty play and, and not, you know, going after guys' knees. Well, you know what? I'm glad you bring this up because I was at the barbershop the other day and Keon Dooley was in the barbershop. And Keon Dooley made a great point about this, too. He said, Delivery Table was diving on the floor in the other place. The mother guy got to be down to the ball. They they can't be up right. And I know they tell him he turned into uh, what you uh, what you call it uh, uh, the uh, horseman. But when the other guy dives for the ball, you supposed to be laying out for the ball too. So Keon is saying the other guy should have been laying out like Devin Dover trying to get that ball and not been up been up right anyway. He should have been laying out for the ball. Now the problem I do have with what he did was the dropping. Either for the ball and rolling. If he just drove forward, but when you start rolling, you can't roll into a guy's knees. So that's where I, I see an issue with it. But what, what Dooley told me, he said that both guys should be on the floor down for the loose ball. And it shouldn't be one guy down for the loose ball, and then we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be having him rolling up somebody's knee. Do you think he's a dirty player from what you saw? I don't think so. No, I'm not going to no, say he's a dirty player, no. Oh, well, here's what I'll say. He might be – there might be a little hint of dirtiness, but I don't think he intend or intended to, to hurt a Kyle Corbett. It's like John Stockton. John Stockton was was known as a dirty player. Was he trying to hurt guys? I don't think so, but he, was he a dirty player? Yes. And, and I think it's similar to that with uh, uh, Della Vadova, where is he – was he trying to hurt guys? No. But is there a little little hint of dirtiness? I think you got to say yes. Well, he plays hard. He plays tough. That's the kind of guy you want on your team. He plays hard. So I mean, for he, sure. But like I said, the only thing the only thing I say is not right is the rolling. When he's diving, you don't roll. Just dive, dive for the ball. Just dive forward and slide. Why you got to roll? It shouldn't be rolling into somebody's legs. But. Uh, for sure, and 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 I and I saw, and the Corver one, like when I watched that, you know, a couple of times, that looked dirty. The Horford one, not so dirty. The Corver one, that that was questionable. That was questionable. But okay, but why didn't Corver on the ground like he is trying to get the ball? I mean, the way it was, I, I, I guess if you if you watch it again at some point, you'll see uh, Corver. You know, get the ball or try to go for the ball, and then you see Dova Dova kind of like roll him up. I mean, it was—I don't know. It, it, it seemed like it was a smidge dirty, but I don't think that was his intent. If that makes sense, I don't. I don't it, it, it comes off as, as, as dirty, but I don't think and, that was. And his I, I surely don't think Harper should have got thrown out that game. Harper had I don't think so. Points. He was the best player in that game. 
when they threw him out of the game, they they, they took the lights off. But I will say this, Atlanta fought real hard after they threw him out of the game, and it was a very competitive game, a lot, lot more competitive than I thought it would be. But Horford should not have got thrown out of that game. For sure, for sure. I don't, I don't think he should have got thrown out of that game, especially that stage. You know, I, I don't think he should have got thrown out of that game. One more quick one before we get you out of here. Dwight Howard, I, w- I want to ask you a quick question on him. You know, we from an, from an athlete's perspective, you, you saw Dwight Howard say, you know, he's, even though he lost, he still felt like a champion at heart. As a teammate of his, if you heard that, would you have a problem with it? Repeat that. Dwight Howard, at the end of, uh, you know, he said at the press conference that, you know, even though he lost, he still felt like a champion at heart. Do do, uh, do you have any problem with those comments? I have have a problem with with the statement for the fact that they they got put out the playoffs, so he shouldn't feel like a champion at heart. I will say this. For what happened to him when he hurt his knee uh, in that first game, he, he 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 played hard in that series. Uh, in the last game, he was all over the four blocking shots. He would have 18, 16 boards. Uh, he did play good in that last game. He did play tough. And for for for, for people to talk about him and, and question him after he got hurt, got rolled up by Josh Smith, he did play hard in that series. So I do give him credit for playing tough. I like the way he played, his mannerism. He's not smiling, happy go lucky anymore. He's taking the game, I think, more serious, Paul. So I do respect him for where he played in that series, in that game. Uh, James Harden just, I mean, like you said, it's going to be a tough offense for him the way he played. Uh, 13 turnovers in the, in the closeout game. You're the, supposed to be the MVP player. You can't play like that. That's the most turnovers in a playoff game in NBA history. You can't you can't play have that type of game. So I will, I will say uh I, I, I like the way Dwight Howard played, but, uh, you know, he doesn't need to say he still feels like a champion. Just say, you know, you played hard and you left it on the court, but you're not a champion because you're not going to the next round. You know, so, sure. so just say you left it on the court and you gave it your all, but do not, don't don't say you feel like you're still a champion. So just so I'm, just so I'm clear, Cleveland and six. Cleveland and six. Cleveland and six, okay, I'll, 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 and we'll we'll leave it right there. Cleveland and six, and uh, we'll see, we'll see. Should be well, fun. What's definitely. the spread on that? What's the what's the spread on that, Paul? In fact, I might have to call, I might have to call Vegas and, and put a little money, put a little wager on that because I think the spread is two to one for the. Uh, Right now, for 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 Golden State, so I think if I bet that money on Cleveland, I want some money. So you're 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 going to bet the bookie. You're betting that you know. I'm a, I will make a call and I will find out what the spread is to bet for Cleveland. That's how much confidence I have. If they're giving Golden State that much, I will bet the series for Cleveland Cavaliers to pull this out. And we shall see. <laughs> Pleasure talking to you, man. All right, you have a good one. You too. Willie Rose, Hall of Famer, getting his thoughts on the NBA playoffs, Adrian Peterson, Ray McDonald. Let's go to Ray McDonald now. Uh, You know, obviously this is a man, you know, arrested twice in one week, you know, arrested on Monday, suspicion of domestic violence, child endangerment, you know, with his former fiancé, you know, 
few days later, he gets arrested for violating the restraining order. It, it's 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 obviously a, 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 it, it's 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 you're, you're speechless because it's like how stupid, how dumb can you be? You know, you're you're a guy who got himself a second chance. Now, I mean, this is, you know, you can say it's the sixth chance because he's been arrested five times since 2010. You know, you, this is your opportunity now to prove all the doubters, the naysayers, and everybody else wrong, and to prove to the, to others that you, in fact, <coughs> excuse me, deserve a second chance. You, in fact, deserve that second chance. And the Bears gave him that second chance. He had an opportunity to to shut everybody up. He had an opportunity to rewrite his story. Now his story is is titled Same Old Ray. Same old Ray McDonald. That's his story. Same old Ray McDonald. You got to be better than that, as Mark Jackson likes to say. You got to, you know, this is the, the 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 fourth time you had some incidents with, you know, you're dealing with the law since August. I mean, you had a little domestic violence situation with your ex fiance, case dismissed. You 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 moved on with your life. You had a situation in December with a sexual assault. You were accused of sexual assault. By another woman. That's in December. Like, you got to do better, Ray. You got to do better. And and speaking of a guy who's who's done better, doing better, and you know who has been enjoying these NBA playoffs, and we've been enjoying these NBA playoffs. Talking to this man, we're going to bring him in now. Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gills. Marlon. Hey, Paul. How's it going, man? Good. Thanks for joining us. No, no problem, man. As always, thanks for having me. Marlon, let's look at these NBA finals. Before we get there, I want to ask you this. You know, we we saw James Harden the other night. I mean, it was almost like it was 2012 NBA finals with uh, James Harden. He turned the clock back, back to 2012 with those 12 turnovers in that game against, excuse me, 13 turnovers in that game, that closeout game for the Golden State Warriors. I mean, an awful performance by James Harden. Your thoughts on what you saw? I saw the curse of Little B all over again, man. Uh, <laughs> Little B is powerful out here in these streets, man, when it comes to the NBA playoffs, man. Uh, first, you know, he had to spell on Kevin Durant, and now he's playing on James Harden. But, uh, no, you, you know what, man, all, all jokes aside, uh, I, I was shocked at that performance that I saw from from James Harden. You know, here's a guy a couple years ago you could pro- possibly say he was the best player on the Thunder in the, the year they lost to Miami in the finals. Um, and to, to watch him go through that, man, it looked like the 94 finals with John Starks all over again. Uh, and, and it's one of those things, man, where when you're a head coach and, and you know, Kevin McHale's position – it's a tough one because do you ride it out with a guy that has been the guy for you all year to get you through these jams, or do you sit him down and say, you know what, you didn't have it today, let me go with somebody else. And, you know, throughout the playoffs, Kevin McHale had done that to that point, but 
if it's a point where your season's on the line, you probably gotta gotta ride out James Harden. So, um, it, you know, I, I totally see where Kevin McHale was coming from, and it's a tough situation to be in, man. I, I can assure you that, you know, James Harden has had sleepless nights since uh, that game's been over. For sure. I mean, he, he was he was awful, and and you know, ultimately him being awful led to the Rockets being eliminated in game five the other night. Going into these NBA Finals, I look at these NBA Finals, and, and I want to ask you this. And, and As I look at these NBA Finals, I see some similarities to last season where you, you looked at San Antonio's roster, you looked at Miami's roster, and you said San Antonio from top to bottom has the better roster. Going into these NBA Finals, I look at Golden State's roster from top to bottom, I look at Cleveland's roster from top to bottom, and I say the Warriors have the better team and a better roster. Your thoughts on that as we go into these NBA Finals? Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, from top to bottom, Golden State probably does have the better roster, but when you're on that court, it's five on five. And I can go through every position for you, and the Warriors would probably have an advantage but I can guarantee the one place that they don't have an advantage, they don't have a guy with a Cavaliers uniform with 23 on it. And, and I've been t- talking about LeBron all year. Uh, you know, to see what he's doing, man, it, it's, I'm just amazed by it. And, and the fact that he's gotten a guy like J.R. Smith to play to his potential is, is out, out of this world. I mean, J.R. Smith, you could say, is equivalent to Clay Thompson. You know, and, and Jr. might even when he's right when he's rolling, and Jr. might even be the better player because he can probably put it on the floor a little better than Clay Thompson. So you, you know, you look at the Steph Curry factor. I, I you know, Steph's the, the MVP of the league for a reason. But you know, I, I look at a guy like LeBron and what he's able to do with the other four guys that that's on the court. I mean, Tristan Thompson, he turned Tristan Thompson into a max-level player. You know, uh, he turned a guy like, like Mozgov into a guy that was just known for being the guy that Blake Griffin dunked on to now. People are looking at Mozgov like he's a good role guy. So, you know, it, it, the Warriors have the advantage, but it's not by a lot. Now, going into obviously going into these, these finals, you talked about – the Cavaliers having a LeBron James. How about the Golden State Warriors? They got a Steph Curry, and he's been shooting lights out and been shooting the three ball like no other in NBA playoff history. No, true. But I will say this. This is Steph Curry's first NBA Finals. This is LeBron's fifth. LeBron's in there. Oh, six, excuse me. His sixth. He's been there. He knows what it takes. He knows what the moment is like. And not to take anything away from Steph Curry, but now the lights are even brighter. And when they're even brighter, you got to step up even more. You know, and, and I think, you know, Steph will see the difference. It's almost like when uh, Isaiah played Magic in, in the finals that first year and he went down the lane. Well, you know, the, the first couple rounds of the playoffs, you know, you'll probably get a love tap like Isaiah did. But in the finals, you see Isaiah went down the hole. Magic caught him real well. Sent him to the floor. I think Steph Curry will see the same thing. You know, he's probably prepared himself for it, but 
until you get there for the first time, man, you have no idea. Let me ask you this. You know, one, one, watching Allen Iverson, you know, one of the ways to limit – it was hard to guard Allen Iverson, obviously because of his speed, his quickness, and what he brings to the table. Obviously, he was a great scorer. But one of the things that teams would do to Allen Iverson that I'm not really necessarily saying with Steph Curry is teams would beat him up. Teams would beat Allen Iverson up. Now, do you, so you're saying or you see – have you saw that from Steph Curry? Have you, I haven't seen it. Have you seen teams beat Steph Curry up? No, you have not. You know, and I think one of the reasons why is, you know, Curry is very similar to Iverson that their handle with the basketball is, you know, something of magic. But also, you know, Steph's a little bigger than Iverson was. So he's able to get into the paint and, you know, maneuver himself a little bit better because he's longer, a little bigger, to the point where if he does get hit, it doesn't really phase him. You know, whereas AI, you know, every time he went to the hole, he knew he was going to get hit. He was taking the hit, and that took its toll on him. So I think with Steph, it's a little different because he's a little craftier once he gets into the lane. Right, and also I think also his three point shooting. He was more, he's more of a uh, of a jump shooter than AI was, and I mean that also has something to do with it too. But let me ask you this: Kyrie Irving, we're talking to writer, assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. Kyrie Irving, we don't know what he's going to be. We we don't know how healthy he's going to be. And obviously, coming into this series, you know he's going to he didn't guard Jeff Teague in that game four. Uh, so he's going to have to he's going to have to guard either Steph or Clay Thompson in this series. He's not a hundred percent. What are your thoughts on that? What, do you feel like Golden State can exploit that matchup if Kyrie Irving's not a hundred percent? If he's not a hundred percent, do you think we'll see a lot of Matthew Dellavedova? No, you know what I, I say, and not to take anything away from Dellavedova, he, he's played tremendous this whole uh, playoffs. But if I'm uh, Cleveland, I put Kyrie Irving on Clay Thompson. Yeah, Clay Thompson could probably shoot over him, but Kyrie can get into him. He can get a little lower on, on those uh, down screens that Clay Thompson likes to come off. And, you know, if the lower Kyrie can get and lock on to Clay Thompson's hip, the easier it is uh, for him. You know, Clay Thompson isn't really a guy that can put the ball on the floor fairly well. You, you know, I, I look at. The games in Houston, Clay Thompson struggled with everything, and that was putting the ball on the floor, making shots. It just wasn't easy for him. So I put Kyrie on uh, on Clay Thompson, and I try Iman Shumpert on uh, Stephen Curry. I, 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 I think that's something that probably will happen. I mean, I think it makes some sense. And do you think LeBron will see some time on uh, of Steph Curry at some point? Oh, no, w- without a doubt. And I think that's something that LeBron welcomes that challenge. And I-, I think he's looking at this as almost like a couple years ago when Derrick Rose was the MVP of-, of the league. LeBron ended up guarding Derrick Rose in that series, and Miami eventually ended up winning. And I, I think LeBron will look at this as another challenge, you know, the the defense, Steph Curry, and win another championship. I think he's looking at all these things that, you know, and let's be honest, I I, I think the Cavs are the underdogs in this series. For and sure. I, I think LeBron thinks that, and it's up to him to show that, hey, I can do it again. 
for sure. And we'll see if he can, in fact, do it again. Obviously, we, we talked about Steph Curry. Who's going to guard him? You look at Golden State, it seems like to me, in terms of guarding LeBron James, they're going to throw out Iguodala, probably Draymond Green, Harrison Barnes. A bunch of those guys are going to get and guard LeBron James. Do you see any – which one of those guys do you think will have the most success against LeBron, and do you still feel like LeBron will get off in this series? I, I think the guy that will have the best success is probably Iguodala, just because he's been in the league for a while. He's longer, more athletic. Uh, and and let, let's remember, Iguodala has been around LeBron a lot in those USA uh, practices. So he knows how to guard him compared to, to those other guys, I, I think. You know, throwing different looks at him doesn't hurt, but Iguodala will probably be the guy that 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 plays a lot um, on LeBron. And I, I don't see Draymond Green playing LeBron at all because if he's playing LeBron, that means he's got to guard LeBron on the perimeter, which allows offensive rebounding for guys like Tristan Thompson to get in there. And I think you need Draymond Green in the paint for some toughness because I, I think if it's one place where the Warriors really struggle. It, it's that they don't really have a lot of toughness with, with their bigs. Besides Green, maybe the next guy is Festus Azili, maybe. But uh, aside from, from Green, it, it, it's a little thin on that front line. And, you know, I, I don't know the reasons for David Lee not getting a lot of minutes, you know, but I, I'm at Ryder University. I'm not with the Golden <laughs> State Warriors. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about University assistant basketball coach uh, Marlon Guild. And Marlon, I, I guess, you know, uh, the more I continue to talk to you, the more I, I get the sense that you're leaning towards the Cavaliers to win this series. But before we get that prediction, let me ask you this. You look at LeBron James now. This will be his sixth NBA Finals. You know, you see right now he's 2-3 and three in Finals play. If he wins, he's 500. If he loses, he's 2-4. and Legacy-wise. How much does this elevate him if he wins, and how much does this hurt him if he loses? Uh, well, you know what? It, it's a no-win situation for LeBron, you know, because one of those things, if he wins, well, you're the best player in the world. You're supposed to win. And if he loses, everybody will say, well, hey, you weren't that good. Your team wasn't that good and, and things of that. So it, it's a no-win situation uh, for him. Uh, but I, I look at this, man, and it's something that you and I have, have spoken about off the air. Guy has been in the league 10 years now, and he's been to six NBA finals. That that's And let's be honest, his early years, those teams that he wrong were, were pretty bad. So if, if he had a decent team, you're probably looking at eight out of his 10 years playing in the NBA finals. That, that's an unheard of number. And I, I keep harping back on this, man. Uh, we all better enjoy what we're watching now because once a guy like LeBron shuts it down, the NBA might be in trouble. <laughs> There's always somebody who's going to come along. If, if you can find them, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I've, I've seen uh, talent that's coming up, and, you, you know, there's no guy that's out there 6926 coming up. I don't think. You, you might be recruiting it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> so, at, at the end of the day now, NBA Finals start Thursday night. 
at Oracle Arena, June 4th. When it's all said and done, Cavaliers, Warriors, who wins it? I'm going Cavaliers in six. Six. And the the reason being the the NBA fo- format. Now, I believe, and you can correct me on this, I believe it's still 2-3-2, two, two, if, if I'm not mistaken. It. Oh, it's, it's now 2-2-1-1-1. Two, 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 one, one, one. One. Okay. I just look at the Cavs are, are – they're proven. They're, they've been tested, uh, you know, all, all those guys have been in big series before. And not to take anything away from the Warriors, but, it's, you know, like what, what you and I have spoken about in the past, that experience factor is going to kick in at some point. And, you know, the Warriors have done a great job, man. Uh, but I, I just think the Cavs are, are rolling right now, and LeBron's not going to let those guys lose this series. He understands the magnitude of it, and, you know, he can say he doesn't pay attention to what people think, but – we all do. It's just who we are. People perception is big, and, and I just don't see him uh, losing this one. So you like you like the Cavaliers in six, even though Golden State has home court advantage. Even though Golden State won sixty-seven ball games. Even though Golden State is a very good defensive team. Even though Steph Curry is rolling in these playoffs, you like Cleveland to still get it done. Yeah, I, I do, and, and I'll say this, and, and I'll, I'll ask you this. The Warriors won 67 games this year. Would they, Would you put them as one of the best teams in NBA history? 67 wins is, is a lot. It is, but, yeah, you're right. Uh, it, don't, it doesn't – even though they won 67 games, they don't have that all-time great team feel. You don't sense that with them, no doubt about it. No doubt. I totally agree with you on that one. And, and that's my re- That's another reason why I think Cleveland will win, because the Warriors have 67 wins, and it's almost like those that 67 is tainted. It, it, you know, uh, it won't go down in the record books. We won't be talking about the Warriors, but I guarantee you if the Cavs win, we'll be talking about the Cavs and how LeBron got his third NBA championship. But let me ask you this. Let's just say Golden State does win it and they do have the 67 wins. And they did it in a Western Conference where six out of the, excuse me, seven out of the playoff teams, including the Warriors, won 50 games or more. I mean, should we give something to the what, what the Warriors did? I think you should. But right. if you talk to people, nobody would, would have paid attention that these guys won 67 games. And I think that that's unfair to them, but it's just the uh, just the world that we live in right now, man. <laughs> for, for sure, for sure. Before we get out of there, Della Vadova, we saw some issues with him in terms of the situation with Al Horford, Kyle Korver, even Taj Gibson. He has three incidents, three questionable incidents. The Gibson situation, I don't really think that was all that dirty. Um, the situation with Korver, that was questionable. Uh, Horford, that was – I don't think that really was all that dirty. I do think he's a dirty player, but I don't think he's trying to hurt anybody. Your thoughts on Matthew Delavadova, excuse me, dirty? I don't see him as a dirty player. I, I think what you're seeing now is a guy that's used to playing the way the game used to be played. Uh, you, you know, the, the Al Horford play, yeah, maybe a little dirty, you know, with, with the – I mean, not the Al Horford, I'm Excuse me, the uh, 
Taz Gibson play? Maybe, but we've all made a play like that at some point in time in our career. Uh, just playing the game on the playground and things of that nature. The Kyle Corver play, he's diving on the floor for a loose ball. If if anything, I'm upset with Kyle Corver. Dive for the ball. Don't extend your hand out. That's, that's one thing that, that I, I hate with the game today. A lot of guys don't want to get hit. They don't want to get hurt. It's a physical sport. These things happen. Dive on the floor. And, and honestly, that's probably one of the reasons why you see a lot of overseas kids come to the uh, come to the states and have a good career. They, they play harder than we do. So you feel like the, you feel like the 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 Euro the, the they play harder than than the American player, the American born players. Oh, yeah, there, there's more there's more at stake now. You, you know, uh, we've gotten a little soft with the game, and you know, it's, it's almost like we're, we're used to being pampered to. These guys come in and, you know, it's like, hey, this is what's going to feed my family. So I got to go out there and give it everything I've got. Wow. Okay. I mean, you know, you look at it. I mean, if you look at the players in state, states wide, statewide, excuse me, you know, you can you can make the argument because you can argue in terms of these players being coddled from, you know, AAU, high school, all these, all the way up, you know, being coddled and, and not necessarily – doing and going that extra mile to be that guy, you know what I mean? To, to be a, a great player, to, you know, they're, they're in order, sometimes in, in life, a lot of times when something is just handed to you, and I'm not saying, you know, we're just handing it to these guys. These guys do have talent, but when you're not working at it, when you're not going that extra mile, you know, maybe it's just the system that we have. Is that possible? Oh, no, without a doubt. And I'll even say this. I'm very guilty of that, uh, you know, because we coddle guys because we don't want to lose them because we don't want to lose our jobs. And that's just how the game is nowadays. So I totally agree with that. So we'll see what happens, man. Interesting NBA Finals coming up. And, again, just so we're clear, you have the Cavaliers in six. That is right. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll get it down. Cavaliers. In six, Marlon, pleasure talking to you, man. Can't wait to talk about it as we go throughout these NBA Finals. No, no problem, as always. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Marlon Guild, assistant basketball coach, Ryder University. Um, You know, a lot of interesting points that he brought up. James Harden, you know, going back to James Harden, you know, he, he, he it was like it was the, night, the 2012 uh, he turned the clock back to 2012 in the NBA Finals where he was awful, 18 for 48, 7 for 22 from downtown in that particular series. You know, he was he was horrible in that series. He was. But, you know, obviously that game six, a closeout game, obviously it's, it's going to be something I think he learns from. It, it's going to be something that hopefully will make him a better player moving forward. He's a great player. He's a superstar in this league. He almost was the MVP, and many people believe he was the MVP of this season. But, you know, in a closeout game, and hopefully he'll learn from it, but in the closeout game, you know, you, you obviously want to see you you obviously want to see a better better effort, better performance. I mean, he didn't shoot the ball well, and he was a turnover machine. So 13 turnovers and, and not shooting the ball was 4 for 11 in that game. I mean, you're the best player on that ball club. They turn to you. This is your ball club, your team. you got to do better, but things happen. 
let's go back to Ray McDonald for a moment. I mean, obviously it's an unfortunate situation for, for all parties involved. His ex-fiance, the, the child that was allegedly involved, and him, Ray McDonald. I mean, he's missing out on some good money. The reality is Ray McDonald is going to look back on this, and he's going to look back on this and after hopefully he gets the help that he needs and after he becomes ultimately a better player, a person, excuse me, forget the player, he needs to become a better person. After he hopefully goes through the process and the steps to become a better person, you know, he's got to do better. And he doesn't belong on an NFL field at this point in time. He needs to worry about him. He needs to worry about his life. He doesn't need to be on a field at this point in time. He's not going to be on the field for a long time. Maybe never. I mean, the way NFL is coming down on domestic violence. He, he may not ever be on the football field again. And, and so, and that would be unfortunate because I believe everybody deserves second, third chances at times. He's got a lot of chances. But hopefully Ray McDonald can get this right. And we'll see if Ray McDonald can get it right, but hopefully he can take advantage of his time. He's got some issues. Get this man the help that he deserves, that he needs, in order to become a better person. Maybe he's gotten help. He just didn't really listen to the help that he got. Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson went off on a rant, a Twitter rant, on May 28th, 2015. He went off. He went off. Adrian Peterson, not at OTAs with the Minnesota Vikings. Mike Zimmer, his coach, told him straight up he ain't going nowhere. Um, so he, he stuck. And, you know, he doesn't want to be there, but he stuck. He, again, Mike Zimmer didn't beat his child. Adrian Peterson did. Uh, uh, Mike Zimmer didn't uh, get in trouble with the law or, or smoke weed after that whole situation. Adrian Peterson did. Mike Zimmer didn't have anything to do with what Adrian Peterson did to his child. Nothing. So Adrian Peterson's no victim here. He got himself into this trouble, into that situation. Let's read some of his tweets. I love people who think they know it all. SMH shaking my head. Research how many NFL teams hasn't honored a player's contract and learned something. Okay, I get that, Adrian, but the reality is you play in the National Football League. This is a system set up. This was collectively bargained by the Players Association, by the National Football League. There are no guaranteed contracts in the NFL. If you got such a big problem with it, do something about it. Talk to Demari Smith. Talk to D. Smith. Give him a call and let him know. Question for people, is a contract two-sided or one? The NFL is one-sided. Okay, great, two-sided. Well, why when one party decides, mister, we want you to take a pay cut now, or better yet, flat-out release you? That's the NFL, Adrian. Let's go on with his tweets. There's never no talk about honoring a contract. Again, NFL, there's no guaranteed contract. They can get rid of you at any point, any time. The way it is, the way it is, you know, they're basically year-to-year contracts. Get that big signing bonus, Adrian. That's the key. But you're making a lot of money. Let's go on. Some more tweets from Adrian Peterson. I know hundreds of players that wish their team would have honored their contract, but instead they got through to the side like trash. Again, Adrian, what are you going to do? It's been collectively bargained. Sorry. Next tweet. A little crazy how one side has so much power that they can do as they please when it comes to the contract. But when the other side, players, feels for whatever reason, family, change of scenery, or simply what they feel just might work best for them, those same laws don't apply. This is life as an NFL player, Adrian. Also, this is a contract that you signed. And that contract, unfortunately, is one-sided. And unfortunately for you, because the contract is one-sided, you're at the mercy. You don't have any leverage here. 
You're at the mercy of the Vikings. He went on. It's all about honoring your contract. Sounds like free will is being a little challenged to me. Well, free will, you had free will when you signed that contract. You had free will when you signed off on a collective bargaining agreement. I don't know if you voted yay or nay, but your brother, your fellow NFL players, most of them voted yay, so obviously it's in place. Later in the day. So those tweets that I read were about, the last one was at 431. Three hours later, about three and a half hours later, 754, Peterson went on to tweet some more to clarify. Since analysts and everybody else, everyone else, have the answers to what place in my heart this rank came from, this is not against the Vikings. I am just frustrated that our union did not get guaranteed contracts for its players. Hey, you should have you should have spoke out about this three years ago when your players were locked out and you didn't have a CBA. It is, I mean, it's like I'm not saying Adrian Peterson wasn't involved, but it's like a person who doesn't vote. You know, you voted this in. You you were part of D. Smith getting in. You were a part of uh, this uh, collective bargaining agreement being ratified. NFL players do deserve, as Adrian Peterson says in his next tweet at 756, NFL players deserve guaranteed contracts like our NBA and Major League Baseball brothers. Of course they do, even more so. And, heck, if my son had a decision to play NBA basketball or NFL football or Major League Baseball, I'd tell my son NBA or Major League Baseball. Stay far, far away from the NFL. No guaranteed contracts. It's a physical game. It's rough. <laughs> Excuse me. And again, no guaranteed contracts. Peterson went on to say, however, players do not have the luxury of saying that they want out of their contract. And I won't even get into the franchise tag combo. Players and final tweet at 8.03 p.m. Hashtag players union. Hashtag together, a change will come. NFL players should be getting guaranteed contracts. They should be getting guaranteed guaranteed contracts. There's no doubt about it. You can argue possibly them not getting guaranteed contracts could be better for the game because we've seen guys get paid and you know in other sports with the guaranteed money and become dogs. But the NFL. Year to year. It's year to year. So, with that being said, <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. You know, if it was a law, I'd tell you to call your local senator. But since this is a collective bargaining agreement, collective bargaining agreement, talk to the head of your players' union. See what he can get for you. A little too late now. What's done is done. It's been signed. It's been sealed. It's been delivered. It's been ratified. And it is what it is at this point in time. Prince Shembo. Interesting story. I mean, just not a good story at all. I mean, the Falcons have have waived him, uh, Shembo. Um, He was charged Friday with killing his former girlfriend's dog. And first and foremost, when, when you start killing animals, that's really a, a bad sign. That's uh, it's a bad sign. This happened on April nineteenth, 
according to the report, uh, his ex-girlfriend called the police and, and told the police that, you know, her Yorkie, named Dior, you know, she left that Yorkie with Shembo, and when she came back, when she found the dog later, the dog was unresponsive. And as they did an investigation, he was charged with felony aggravated cruelty to an animal. That's that's a tough situation. That's a tough situation. According to, well, Shembo apparently told his girlfriend that he kicked the terrier. She she kicked him, and I mean, you know, they they said the dog, you know, fractured rib, abdominal hemorrhage, head trauma, eye injuries, external bruising to the muscles. External bruises, excuse me, in the muscles of his front, legs, and shoulder. Wow. I mean, you know, that's that's a, that's troubling. Anytime you hear about cruelty to animals, whether it's Michael Vick with the dog fighting, whether it's Prince Shimbo with this whole situation, I mean, you know, obviously a dog is small, a, a ter- Yorkshire Terrier, that's small, and then if you kick, a dog that's small, and you're 254 pounds, depending on how hard you kick them, there's a possibility you could do that type of damage. With, I, I guess, theoretically, with one kick, if you, it depends how hard you kick them, and it depends where he lands. I mean, if you kick him and the dog lands up against the wall, I mean, obviously, there's a possibility that, you know, he could have head trauma, high injuries, extensive bruising, and, you know, brain hemorrhaging and things of that nature. I guess that's possible. But, Obviously, you look at the situation, obviously Shembo's been cut. Obviously, it's going to take a while before he gets on the NFL roster again. And he may not get on the NFL roster again after this. I mean, one of the reasons Michael Vick was able to get on the NFL roster again because Michael Vick was supremely talented. A little difficult when you're Prince Shembo. You're not as talented as Michael Vick. A little difficult. So we'll see what happens with Prince Shimbo and that whole situation. But it, it's it's an unfortunate situation. And, and speaking of NFL, former NFL players and NFL players behaving badly, uh, Darren Sharper pled guilty to federal court in federal court, uh, you know, to allegations that he drugged women and assaulted women in four different states. It's a tough. That's a that's you know you look at this story. And you just look at it and you just shake your head. Four different states. You know, he, he had a plea deal back in March to resolve all the charges. At this point, nine years for Darren Sharper. And, you know, it, it basically was a serial rapist if, if you look at it. And you, you wonder if nine years is enough. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But at the end of the day, well, I mean, hopefully the women – who were involved, they get the help that they need, and hopefully Darren Sharper will get the necessary help that he needs so he can avoid these type of things when he actually does come out. I mean, it's an unfortunate situation, obviously, and it's a surprising situation. You know, when that case came out, uh, was it last year, it was stunning. And obviously, obviously you look at Darren Sharper, a decent-looking guy, 
Uh, you look at Darren Sharper, obviously he has a level of success. Um, you know, he's he, he was on NFL Network, obviously he had a great NFL career, possibly even a Hall of Fame caliber career. And <clears throat> with all that being said, with all that being said, now there's a, you know, he's going to be spending, you know, his post-NFL career or at least nine years of it, in prison. It, it just is a story that boggles the mind. You know, obviously, you, you will. Uh, I want to get in this man's head to figure out what in the heck was he thinking? What in the heck was Darren Sharper thinking when he was doing some of the things that he was doing? What the heck was he thinking? Uh, I don't know. I, and, you know, I don't even know if I want to get in his mind. I mean, it's... Uh, it's obviously sick it's obviously twisted it's obviously demented whatever's going on in his mind sick twisted and demented but again at the end of the day you hope that he gets the help that he needs so he can become a better player moving forward we'll see Tabo Cephalosha and you know we look at the situation with Tabo Cephalosha and Atlanta Hawks they could have used Tabo you know he could have you know, gave some minutes on LeBron, spent some time on LeBron. He could have gave him good minutes guarding LeBron. You know, especially with Damari Carroll being banged up, especially with Kyle Korver being knocked out of the uh, series with his injury. Obviously, they could have used Tabo Cephalosha. But you look at Tabo Cephalosha now, in an interview with ESPN, he talks about the, the situation. He said he can't talk about it too much. But he said, quote, I was injured in the hands of the police, and they took – and it took away a lot of, from my everyday life, from being able to help put the kids in bed, going up and down the stairs. We were talking about the stress that it brought to the entire family, you know, my mom and dad in Switzerland, my brothers and sisters, my wife, also the damage to my reputation. I have been texting people. I've had people texting me about what they saw in the newspapers and things like this. Every aspect of my life was affected by something like this, and I think putting light on the aftermath on something like this, I think that's also something that important. And at this point, we haven't really heard exactly what transpired that night. I mean, you know, apparently, according to the police report, Cephalosha and Antich, you know, they, they apparently were interfering with the establishment of a crime scene. And it's obviously, I don't know what happened. I mean, it didn't seem right. When, when You know, how were they interfering with the crime scene? I don't know. And at this point, Cephalosha can't say much. And when I guess we'll, we'll all figure it out. And at this point, it's still being uh, investigated by internal affairs. But this was a, a, a situation where he obviously he was a big piece of what the Hawks did. His defense was big, big, and he had experience. You know, he's been to the NBA Finals, he's been to the Conference Finals, so he has a level of experience. I'm not saying he would have made much of. I, I'm not saying if, uh, if Cephalosha was there, the Hawks would have won that series. No, I'm not saying that at all because it became evident and very obvious that the Cavaliers were a better basketball team with Cephalosha, without Cephalosha. I don't think it mattered. But I think, you know, in terms of his reputation, I think 
you know, you, you don't obviously view Cephalosha as a guy who, well, I mean, I, I would assume that all, a lot of players party. But you obviously never looked at Cephalosha in, in a negative way. I don't think anybody's looked at Cephalosha in a negative way. You know, he talked about, you know, for being out four in the morning, quote, why were you, why were you out? This is his quote. Why were you out at four in the morning? I think I'm not a criminal for it. I've always been a professional guy when it comes to basketball, and I put it first. Of course, it's my priority. So even when I do go out, I always think about the repercussion of anything I do could have on my teammates and on the team and on the NBA as a whole because we're looked at as NBA players. I mean, it's fair. You know, they always say nothing good happens after 12 o'clock, and there's a level of truth to that. But at the same time, there is no law that says you can't party. You can't be out late. It is New York City. He said he was out there celebrating. The Hawks had just clinched the number one seed. So you, you, you look at it, and you, you look at Cephalosha. You look at the whole situation. You wonder what is the aftermath of this? What is going to happen with this? Because, we, again, we still haven't really heard the full story. It, it was weird when it came out, and it didn't make sense. And at this point, it doesn't make sense. And I guess we'll be able to make sense of it when the internal affairs investigation is done and also when, you know, Cephalosha has his day in court to talk about it. should be interesting. I'm interested to see what happened, what transpired, how did it happen, why did it happen. We'll see. Should be interesting to see what happens moving forward with Tabo, Cephalosha, and the whole situation. Hopefully everything works out for him. But the Hawks did miss him. Doesn't mean they would have won if he was there, but they most definitely missed his defensive presence and what he brought to the table. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs, Tom. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was, uh, to throw you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. That's not Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. Okay. If you hey, what up? That. It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. Have a go, man. And we're back. Go For It, blogtalkradio.com. Paul Gann here, talking sports, having fun, doing it. We're going to bring in a guy now uh, who had a great year overseas, also had a decent year when he came stateside, 
and played in the D League as well. Let's bring him in now, Justin Dentman. What's going on, Justin? man? What's going on? How are What's you? What's going on, everybody? What's going on? Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Justin. You had a <clears throat> excuse me. You had a great season in China, and for a long time throughout the course of your your career, you resisted going overseas for a long time. You say now that you regret not going overseas sooner. Tell us why. Um, I'm a, I regret because you know playing in the D League is like you just it's like it's still it's a dream. You know you just hope you get called up, but you're taking pay cuts, and you know I see that. You know, I finished college a little later than others because I went to prep school when I was a fifth year of high school, so it puts my age back a little bit. So now I'm like, man, it's, I'm getting a little older, so now i got to think about my future and about my, you know, kids and about my – about my just about me and how, what I want to do right. when I'm done playing basketball. I want something to lean back on. And at what point, at what age – I know you're 29 now. At what point and what age did you realize that, you know what, I, I can't mess around. It's, you know, the NBA dream, if it happens, fine, but i got to take care of myself financially. When did you, when did you come to that realization? It was about 27, two years ago. You know, um, when I came back to D-League after something happened in China with the team and we just left on bad terms, and I came back and it just it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like the same um, year that I had when I was with the uh, Austin Toros. Um, so I was just like, man, this this is this time for me to go overseas. You know, I wouldn't mind having a, a career overseas and, 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 you know, living overseas, seeing the world. But then it's all about timing. So, you know, like China, you get five months. You get to come back and give it another try. So that's why I think China is, like, one of the best options other than Europe to do because you get to come back and give it another try each and every year and not miss out on the money that uh, overseas has. Now, uh, other than the money, how was it living in China? Uh, it was tough. Uh, I say the city I was living in, it was the placement of where we were living. It was pretty bad. It was a nice city. Just you had the cab too far, and the language barrier was tough. You know, and most importantly, the food. You know, I don't eat what they eat. They eat, so I had to lean towards McDonald's and Pizza Hut, which I couldn't maintain my weight. But you know, they always get on you by being in shape. Well, you know, you got to feed us the right food for us to stay in shape. So it wasn't the American type Chinese food. <laughs> no, yeah, the Chinese food over there is different. Like you know, like Pan Express, they don't think that's Chinese food. Over there, <laughs> so no know? General's chicken. None. No, you got to eat like everybody eating chopsticks. And me, I'm I'm big on germs. So I'm like, man, everybody putting their chopsticks in the bowl. I don't think I want to put my my fork in there. <laughs> You you dominated like you said you you were you spent time in the D League you dominated in the D League you dominated in China. It, tell us the difference. How how different is it playing overseas than in the NBA in terms of the talent and the competition? Uh, I think the talent it it is it, it, it's not that big of a difference. I just think a lot of guys just decide like you know I don't want to do the NBA thing. I'm gonna go overseas because that's the something I see myself doing. I just think the NBA is more open. You know, with the NBA uh, defense of three seconds, so it's more of driving. Europe is more shooting, running more plays, less, you know, um, isolations over there. Um, but the style of I mean, the, the competition, I don't think it's that much different. I just think, you know, we we have a, a lot of great players, you know, in the NBA. And um, some guys in Europe, they just decide to stay over. 
We're talking to pro basketball player Justin Detman. And, Justin, as we said, you did well in the D-League. You dominated the D-League. You dominated China. How close are you to being in the NBA? Every year, man. It's just all about timing. You know, it's all about the right fit with the right team at the right time. Uh, each year I think I get, I'm getting better and better, um, getting closer and closer, but at the same time getting older and older. You know, father time carries right. everyone. So it's, all, it's like it's a matter of time. This year I think I'm close, but it just depends on the right team, the right situation in summer league, you know, where I come out and show my stuff. They know what I can do. You know, I just got to, you know, continue to do it and do it well and, and be the best me I can be. How was it for you mentally, kind of on a yo-yo, if you will, D-League? You know, you, you had some opportunities in the NBA, but you said, I heard you say in the past that those opportunities really weren't big-time opportunities for you. But how difficult was it for you mentally, and how difficult for you mentally, you know, kind of, you know, going to the NBA, getting a shot, but not necessarily getting that shot and not necessarily making it in the NBA. What was that doing to you mentally, and what does that do to you mentally, mentally now? It, it, was, it was tough mentally with the Toronto Raptors more than any other team because I knew the situation with Dallas. You know, they they called me up to reward me up my season. Um, and then with the uh, Spurs, I thought I had a chance, but I knew that when, uh, when they released me, it wasn't my last stint for going to the NBA. But Toronto, I had the most playing time out of all the three teams. I really thought that they liked me and was going to lean on me. And when they released me, it kind of really hit me mentally. Like, man, maybe I'm not ready. You start thinking about all these things. Like, man, what am I doing wrong? And now, you know, it don't do nothing for me now. It just makes me work harder. To prove everybody wrong like I've been doing each and every year. Whether I go to Lithuania and dominate, whether I go to China and dominate, I'm going to try to improve every year. That's my goal. Stay consistent. You know, if you stay consistent, either you're going to improve or you're going to stay the same. As long as you don't go under that, you're good. And that's why I carry myself now that the NBA looked me over before. I feel like, you know, some teams made a mistake, but maybe it just wasn't the right situation or right fit or right time. Now, do you think there's anything you can do to uh, talent-wise to be in the NBA? You just think at the end of the day it's all about timing, it's all about fit, it's all about team? Yeah, I think it's all about that. Because, you know, when you're in the right if you're in front of the NBA, you're going to act the right way. You're going to be the right way. You're going to be yourself. You're going to, some people pretend to be someone else, but you're going to act the right way in front of them anyway. So it's nothing about how you act. How you, so it's just going on the court and performing and, like I said, being the best you can be. If you can be the best you can be and they like you, then that's good. It's just sometimes I get confused about they calling you up there to be somebody that they saw you be and they want you to change the game. So, you know, but it's, like I said, it's all timing, man. Um, I'm willing to change anything. I just want to be a part of uh, the best league in the world. If not, man, I go somewhere else to make a living. But it's just all about timing. Is is there a particular team that you know would would fit your style of play? Um, of course, Golden State definitely would. But I love Dallas <laughs> a lot. Uh, I like I learned uh, San Antonio's offense pretty well when I was in Austin. I like San Antonio. Um. And um, the Wizards' offense, I like their offense a lot, too. You know, uh, you just – and if I ever get that chance, man, I'm going to show them. You know, I mean, you, some league gives you the chance. But, like I said, like one game you can you can go crazy. And the next game you just play okay, and that's the game that everybody come out. So, it's like you got to stay consistent, man. Just, if any of those teams, you know, want to sign me, I'm there. I'm going to do it. But at the end of the day, I got to look out for what's best for my future, what's best for my family, everything. 
Now, obviously, you, like you said, obviously you want to catch on with a summer league team at this point in time, or do you have any idea who that, what team that may be on, or or whether it's Las Vegas or, or Orlando? No, do you have any idea I'm with that? Vegas, more likely Vegas. Um, okay. Uh, like I had them, I'm in the Mavs backyard, so they I'm with right. them um, for a mini camp. My agent's looking at other places. Uh, hopefully, you know the Bulls. Um, hopefully, the Lakers. Uh, and hopefully Miami, one of those other three. Um, I'm just waiting to hear back from him. June is coming, approaching us, so minicamp is going to be coming left or right in June. So I'm just trying to stay fit and shape so they don't have nothing to doubt that uh, I'm doing and be ready. We're talking to pro basketball player Justin Dentman. And, Justin, we have the NBA Finals coming up. You have the Cavaliers. You have the Warriors. Steph Curry playing big-time basketball. LeBron James playing big-time basketball. Who do you think wins it all and why? Um, I just think it's going to be tough to say who's going to win it all because they both got um, a lot of guys that have helped throughout the playoffs. You can't just lean it on LeBron. You can't just lean it on Curry because right. they have other pieces that help them. I just think um, both, you know, helps their team play at another level. Steph Curry's not shooting the ball right or playing right. His team's not playing right. LeBron, same way. LeBron's struggling. The team is struggling, but you also got Kyrie that's injured, so this is going to hurt them a little bit, but not too much because they got veterans. Um, I'm giving it to to Warriors because that's what team I've been going with. I always pick an uh, East and West team, but this year I picked two West teams. It was between San Antonio and the Warriors. So I'm going to the Warriors going to win it in six. Ain't say in four because it's tough, man. I think they're going to win it in six, and that's why I'm going with the Warriors. If they stay yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I know you're a big Steph Curry guy. Steph Curry came out the same year you came out. I know, you know, in some respects, Steph Curry is a small guard. You're a small guard. You guys both can shoot the basketball pretty well. I got to ask you this. Steph Curry, is that the best stroke you've ever seen, his stroke, the way he shoots the ball? The best shooter I've seen since Ray Allen. You know, I love, I love Ray Allen. His stroke was just pretty. But Steph Curry, the way he do it off the dribble, off screens, he can give it to you any way you want it. You know what I mean? So that that to me that puts them over a lot of guys. A lot of guys are corner shooters or they're just spot up shooters. Some guys are just pick and roll shooters. He can do it all. Um and he keeps it selling at every at every game. So hey, I think Steph Curry, yeah, he, he has the the wettest wet wettest ball in the NBA I've seen in since Ray Allen. Okay, so that's the wettest ball since Ray Allen. Will he surpass Ray Allen in terms, in your mind, in terms of all-time great stroke, all-time great shooter? Yeah, I think he will. How much threes he shoots? Yes, because at a young age, Ray Allen really wasn't shooting three. Ray Allen was dunking right. on people, you know. So Steph Curry came in the league shooting three. But at this rate, Steph Curry said he only was 24, 25? 27, 27. 27. See, he got what, his? He got a lot of years, man, and I'm sure he's gonna shoot a lot of balls. You know, he don't even get that much contact. You know, for sure. So I think yeah, he will. If not, he'll get close. But yeah, he will. I I know you're a big Steph Curry guy. You you admire him on the court. You also admire him off the court. Tell us about. Tell us why. Uh, just because, man, he's just a big role model, man. Uh, whether he's younger than me or not, uh, he uh, you know, go out in the community and does stuff with community work. I you know. The interaction with his, his mom and his, his, his family, it's just big. It just reminds me of myself, you know, because I have a little girl myself, and I try to be uh, 
I try to be with her that my mom was to me, you know, as a single parent. And that's why I get that quote from him. He's like, be the best you you can be. That's that's true. You got to be you. You can't be nobody else. And I just think that he, uh, he just, you know, on the court, that's a that's a plus. Off the court, it shows you know a lot about his character. How di- how difficult is it to be a single dad? Um, it's tough, man, because you can't go out and do all the things you want to do, man. You want you base your just your um your life kind of around spending time as much time you can with your your, your little. You know, I feel with peace when I come home. I want to spend as much time I can with. You know, I go out of town on the weekend sometimes. You know, but that is limited. You know, so I want to spend as much time with her because she's young. So I want her to know me. I was there, so she can play. When she get older, um, I was there. My my dad was there, even though he was overseas. He was there. You know, right. For sure, we're talking to pro basketball player Justin Denman. And Justin, <clears throat> excuse me, I was on your Twitter page, man, and and I saw a tutorial on how to do that one-legged three-point shot. What's up with that? Man, I just it's crazy, man. Like, I didn't think it was going to be something that people would like. I thought it was, people thought it was a crazy shot. I just kept doing it. And I, it became better, bigger than it is in um, San Francisco Pro Am League. I was doing it out there. And you know, a guy started talking about it. And one of my best friends, he actually, like, he's mad. So he's like, man, everybody do the shot and don't give us no credit. I said, man, it's okay. I ain't looking for credit, man. I'm just, <laughs> it's just a shot, man. Kim Hardaway did his crossover, but he ain't looking for no credit, you know. So uh, somebody asked me to do the tutorial on how to do it. If I do it, that's why I can do it because it's hard to explain how to do it without you being there, you know. But it's something I picked up in Puerto Rico, man, over some bigger guys because I'm small, so I got to get my shot off anywhere I can. For sure. <laughs> I saw it, man. It was, it was it was interesting. I mean, you you see Dirk kind of that one-legged, one-legged jumper, but you don't really see Dirk doing a one-legged jumper from downtown. Yeah, or off the right leg, shooting with the right, right. hand. I'm right-handed. I shoot off my right leg. He do it off his left, you know. And I do. I, I just start off as a buzzer beater, though. You know, you can't just go down and do that in a game. Coach, I'm like, what are you doing? But if you right. do it as a buzzer beater, he can't say anything, you know. It's a buzzer <laughs> shot. I made it. So when I started making it at a, at a high rate, they didn't care. You know, no matter where I go now, they just don't care now. I haven't done it in the NBA yet. Or D, D, I did it in the D League before this year, but – some okay. leagues and then have a good. This is gonna be the first year I probably do it in summer league. Okay, all right, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna see that one legged jumper in this summer league. Yeah, I'm forward to I it. hope the first time I do it, it go in. <laughs> you played in a lot of different countries, man. Do you, do you have a particular favorite? Israel, China. Do you have a favorite? Lithuania. Lithuania. Okay. Lithuania. Although it was cold, man, the way they the program was so professional, man. They treated me like I was at home. They took care okay. of me off the court. You know, made sure everything I had everything in order, whether it was car, phone, anything that I needed. Something that was wrong, they was there to help me. You know, it was it was unbelievable, man. I love Lithuania and I love the experience. You know, playing my first time in the Euro League with them was it was, it was amazing. I got to meet new friends. Be yeah, a Lithuanian by far. I ain't gonna say it's the best as far as weather wise, but as far right. as playing, yeah, Lithuania. Um, okay, all right. So, yeah. so would you live in Lithuania? Me, ah, summertime, <laughs> summertime, <laughs> maybe, you know, but no, okay. I could live there, man. It's, it's, it's not. I'm, I'm more of a city boy now. I used to be a, okay. a country boy coming from Carbondale, but I've been living in cities. Now I'm like more of a city boy. So the way more country like, 
So I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I can't live there. I can go visit for a week or two and not live. Now, LeBron, he went back home, and you're going to go back home this summer in Carbondale with your youth camp. you got a youth camp coming up out there. Tell us about it. Man, I'm excited. It's my first ever, you know, basketball camp. I've been putting it off for years because not sure how I want to run it, how I want to do it. But I'm like, you know what, man? I'm just going to do it, man. If it's excessive, excessive. It's not, it's not. I just want to give back, you know, um, give back what I've learned throughout the years of basketball. And I want to be different. I don't want to be like a basic player. I want to be hands-on teaching each and every okay. move, you know. And that's what I want to do. And the coach is like, yeah, that's a good job, good idea. I want to be. <laughs> I want them to be like, this camp was nice. We had fun, but we learned a lot. Right. You know? So it's, 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 I'm nervous, really, to be honest. I have dreams about it, about it going really? wrong, about it going right. Yeah, I don't know. It's my first one, so. But it's, just, it's it's getting bigger. I got close to fifty kids on my first one, so that's pretty big for me. Um, I got a lot of walk ups going to happen. I know that so there's going to probably be more. So I'm looking about sixty, sixty-five kids. Maybe. Any surprise guests? Um, right now, Darius Miles might show up. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I got friends who uh, have you know, friends with Darius Miles. He might show up and have, you know okay. guest speech, or just show up just to look around and uh, just show his face. Um, I was trying to get a few of them, but it's hard to get a hold of. Huh? What's going on with Darius Miles now? I I, I really don't know. I think he just calling it quit. Uh, he's working <laughs> out. Um, cause he ain't really said much about coming back, so I just think he's just working out, and just enjoying um his life right now, whatever that may be. Just you know, being with family. For sure, for sure. Justin and, and fans, make make sure you go to his Twitter page at Justin Detman. Support some of the great things going on with him. He has a basketball camp coming up. And support his journey as he journeys on and, and trying to become a fixture in the National Basketball Association. Justin, I wish you nothing but the best of luck, man, moving forward. Let's do this again. Thanks, man. Oh, anytime, man. Just let me know, man. I'm willing to talk basketball For sure. or anything else. Cavaliers, is, you still got the Warriors in six, right? I still got the Warriors in six, man. Okay. All right. So I'll hold you to that Warriors in six. Appreciate it, man. Oh, no problem, man. You take care, man. Take care. Justin Dentman, pro basketball player, played overseas, also played in the D League as well, trying to trying to get into the NBA. And, you know, it's always a struggle to get into the NBA. And if you look at it, you know, people grow up, I want to be in the NBA, I want to play in the NFL. You know, I want to do this, I want to do that. But the reality is it, it, it takes a lot. It, it takes a lot. But there are options overseas, and he's taking advantage of those options overseas and, and making decent money doing it. So that's always a good thing for him. Press pleasure talking to Justin Denman. Um As we go through, you know, about another nine minutes left in the show, uh, Chicago Bulls, they finally pulled the trigger on Tom Thibodeau. They fired him Thursday saying they needed, uh, you know, a change. And, you know, reality of the situation, we all know the situation, Paxson, Foreman, Thibodeau, they didn't get along together. Obviously, they didn't get along, and and Thibodeau had a lot of success. And, you know, obviously there was obviously some, some issues. They didn't get along. They, they You know, they need a, a culture change. You know, Gar Former said it at the press, press conference, quote, it is our strong belief that there needs to be a culture of communication that builds a trust throughout this organization, from the players to the coaches to the management, 
into the front office, a culture, a culture, excuse me, when everybody is pulling in the same direction. When the culture, when that culture is sacrificed, it becomes extremely, extremely difficult to evolve and to grow. And today's decision was about giving this team an opportunity to grow into the future. So, I mean, that that sounds like there was a divide. That sounds like everybody wasn't on the same page. That sounds like there was an issue. But and here's the thing. Tom Thibodeau is a great coach, a good coach. I can't call him great. He hasn't won anything in this league. But he's a very good coach. And if Tom Thibodeau is your coach, you're not doing bad at all. Actually, you're in pretty good hands. But the reality is when it comes to the Chicago Bulls, you could argue maybe uh, the Bulls, the Bulls in a lot of ways, they went as far as Thibodeau can take them. And from this standpoint, maybe you know Thibodeau got them as far as to the conference finals, and you could argue – you know what? He's done a great job when Derrick Rose was hurt, and he did. Because that that whole situation with Derrick Rose was a mess. Hurt, not hurt, back, not back, playing, not playing. <coughs> Excuse me. Whether it's meniscus, ACL, Derrick Rose had a hard time staying healthy. Derrick Rose had a hard time staying on the court. And I look at Thibodeau, and I look at the Bulls, and whether it's the Heat, whether it's the Cavaliers, he had a hard time getting by LeBron James. Couldn't do it. And LeBron James stood in his way. Just like Michael Jordan stood in the way of Ewing and all the other guys, LeBron James is standing in the way of the Bulls and Derrick Rose and, and, and Thibodeau. But I think this Bulls team, I think this is not a bad move. I think it's almost a good move in a lot of ways. Because, <laughs> excuse me, he's taking this team as far as he can take them, I believe. And this team has gotten to the conference finals as far as they can get. He's taken them, I think, as far as he can take them. I think on some level there needs to be a new voice with this ball club. And there is talent in Chicago. Obviously, Rose can stay healthy. You know, Gasol, he was having an all-star season, was an all-star, and was playing very good basketball. He had the hamstring. If he can stay healthy, I mean, obviously there's still pieces there. You've got to figure out what you're going to do with Jimmy Butler. But Chicago's a very good basketball team. And some argued if, if, if Gasol was healthy, maybe the Bulls would have beat the Cavaliers. Maybe. But then you can argue if the Cavaliers had Kevin Love and a healthy Kyrie, that, you know, if Kyrie was at 100%, it would have been a different story anyway. But anyway, that doesn't matter. What, what happens is what happens. But I think you look at Golden State, and you look at Mark Jackson and the job he did. You know, he did a great job in Golden State. You know, he got them back to the playoffs, back to respectability. And – but obviously there was issues with ownership, and, and he didn't get along with them. But Steve Kerr comes in, and this is Mark Jackson's team. And if you're Mark Jackson, I think you it's got to be difficult for you to watch because this is your team. And you got those guys when they were young. This is your team. This is your team. You know, Steph Curry was a, was a great basketball player, a very good basketball player uh, last season, but he became an MVP this season. He became better. The team got better. Klay Thompson got better. Draymond Green got better. He took a large leap. You know, you had guys taking leaps. Clay took a leap. Steph took a leap. Draymond Green took a leap. Guys took leaps and became better players. Who's to say that wouldn't have happened under Mark Jackson? I don't know. But you got to give Steve Kerr credit. 67 wins. This team, if they win the NBA Finals, maybe you look at them as an all-time great basketball team. But ultimately, they get to the NBA Finals. Mark Jackson's going. Steve Kerr comes in. He takes them to the next level. Maybe the Bulls need another guy to take them to the next level. 
You know, they're, they're, they need that, a new voice to take them to that next level. Can he take them to that next level? We'll see. As long as LeBron James is there, it's going to be difficult. As long as Kyrie's alongside of him, it's going to be difficult. As long as Tristan Thompson is there or, or maybe Kevin Love, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. But the Bulls have to figure something out in terms of what are they going to do to get to that next level, and that next level is the NBA Finals. That's it. That that's where they, they they've they've gotten far, but they've gotten they haven't gotten far enough. Derrick Rose being hurt hurt their situation big time. Definitely. I mean, you could argue back in 2012 when Derrick Rose went out in that first round against the Philadelphia 76 with a torn ACL. Maybe that was the year for the Bulls. They were a number one seed at that point in time. Maybe that was the year they could finally dethrone LeBron in the Miami Heat. Maybe that was the year. I don't know. But we'll never know. But Derrick Rose was hurt, and that's one of the reasons we won't know. But the question becomes now, moving forward, the Bulls obviously are going to look. Maybe Fred Hoiberg, the mayor, is the guy. We'll see. We'll see if that's where the Bulls will go. But, the, you know, obviously they, they they need a coach that can help them get to that next level. And we'll see and find out who that coach will be. We'll, we'll definitely see. Could it be Alvin Gentry, who's done a good job as Steve Kerr's assistant? We'll see. But the Bulls, you know, obviously they need a different voice, I believe. I don't think this is a bad move. They need a new voice. And they need a guy who can hopefully take them to that next level. And that next level, again, is the NBA Finals. And getting by King James. Whether King James is in Cleveland, whether King James is in Miami, they got to find a way to get by him. And they haven't found that way and, and, and haven't found a way to get by him. Should be fun. Should be interesting. I can't wait. Can't wait. I want to thank Marlon Gill for stopping by. Uh, make sure you hit him up on Twitter, mgill83. Also want to thank Justin Dentman for stopping by. Hit him up on Twitter, at Justin Dentman. Also want to thank Hall of Famer Willie Rope for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pecan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Go for Gant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Go For It Gant. We can hear some great, great interviews. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. Great day. See you later. Take care.